The following is a message by Professor Zach Keel from Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about this message or Westminster Seminary, visit us online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. That's online at www.wscal.edu or call us at 888-480-8474. As we uh, continue going through uh, 1 Corinthians, we'll turn to chapter 9. 1 Corinthians 9, and we'll read verses 19 through 27. So 1 Corinthians 9, 19 through 27. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew, in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Do you not know that in a race all the runners compete, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we have an imperishable So I do not run aimlessly, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and I keep it under control, lest, after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we come to meditate upon your word. We thank you that your word is true and From your word we hear of your promise that when we gather in your name you are with us and that you speak to us through your word and you give us wisdom to us who are simple. You build us up in Christ, you give us knowledge and you work in our hearts love. And so Lord may we be instructed from your word this morning and may we learn to love you more and more knowing that Christ died to save us from our sins. In Jesus' name, amen. We are uh, definitely proud of our freedom, aren't we? And this is for sure true in our society. Our country has a tendency to pat itself on the back for being the land of the free and the home of the brave. T-shirts and bumper stickers that sport sayings like live free or die trying, these things never are out of style. All sorts of violence and protesting and war can be justified in the name of freedom. William Wallace's dying cry for freedom as he is cut and tortured is one of the highest American virtues. Well, in a similar way, we in reform circles can prize our Christian liberty. Many of us, having been raised in legalistic surroundings, 
where our hand was slapped even before it reached out for something by those pruder than God, we can then boast and flaunt of our newfound Christian liberty. We grasp that can of Christian liberty with such zeal that the only way someone's going to get it out of our hands is to pry it out from our dead, cold hands. This is not to say that Christian liberty isn't a tremendous blessing or a very crucial doctrine. It very much is. And yet the Apostle Paul seems to have a different approach to Christian liberty. As he says here in verse 19, Though I am free, I have enslaved myself to all. Talk about a shocking statement for us. I mean, who in their right mind would do such a thing? No one gives up their liberty Willing to enslave yourself to another? Well, surely, this is a shocking uh, statement. And to appreciate it, we have to understand, as uh, is expected, the larger context. For the section to which this passage belongs goes from 8.1 to uh, 11.1. And in this section, Paul's addressing the Corinthians' misuse of their Christian liberty. That is, their correct knowledge about idols being nothing has puffed them up and they're using their liberty and their knowledge to harm weaker brothers. In fact, there seems to be some serious harm done here. For in chapter 8, verse 11, Paul says, By your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Some brothers, the weaker brothers, seem to have fallen into sin and maybe even fallen away from the faith. Thus, Paul here uses himself as an example for how we should use our Christian liberty. His life demonstrates the proper attitude toward and use of our Christian freedom. So in verses 19 to 27, Paul summarizes the use of his liberty as an example as this paradoxical statement that opens verse 19 makes clear, though I am free, I have enslaved myself to all. In short, Paul gives up his liberty. He does not exercise it always. He doesn't make full use of it. Of course, the purpose of Paul's willing enslavement is imperative. Note what he says, so that I might win more of them. His purpose is to win over or to gain all the more people. And note how this purpose is repeated over and over after every group. To gain the Jews, to gain those under the law, to gain those outside the law, to gain the weak. Indeed, he becomes all things to all people so that he might save some. Hence, we see the meaning of the word gain here, or part of its range of meaning. Gain here is to save. So this applies in evangelistic settings, that's the Jew and the Greek, those outside the church. But it also refers to building up the saints, as the weak refer to. To keep from stumbling those who are weak. So this accommodation applies both to those outside and those inside the faith. Of course, this accommodation is only in matters of indifference. 
as Hodge rightly says about this, uh, this passage, he says, no one was more yielding in matters of indifference than Paul, while no one was more unyielding in matters of principle than this apostle. Yes, Paul was ever ready to accommodate himself with these indifferent prejudices. But when these were insisted, insisted upon as matters of necessity, Paul was immovable. Think of Galatians 2.5 where he said he wouldn't yield in submission even for a moment to the Pharisees that the truth of the gospel might be preserved. In fact, this is the point in verse 21 when he clarifies what he means by being outside the law. It doesn't mean lawless. Rather, he's under the law of Christ that is bound to obey him in all things. Nonetheless, in these matters of indifference, Paul is wholeheartedly committed to accommodate. That means when he's with Jews, he dresses and he eats like the Jews. And so also with the Greeks. He had the freedom to eat and to drink and to wear all sorts of things. But he willingly gave them up, even against his own likes and dislikes. He gave up these rights so that he would not cause offense. So that the gospel might have more success. In fact, his whole lifestyle of making himself a slave to others is shaped by the gospel. Look at verse 23. He says, I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Now, the second part of this verse is poorly translated. Uh, It should be uh, read as, so that I might become a participant of it, namely the gospel. That is, Paul becomes all things so that he might be a participant in the gospel, shaped by its uh, nature. This means that he desires his ministry and his use of liberty to reflect the very nature of the gospel that is freely offered, self-sacrificing and loving. Everything Paul does, all his methods, all his strategies, must be in the imprint of the gospel, Paul says. This is what shapes his use of his liberty. He doesn't exercise his rights according, or he doesn't um, insist upon his rights for the sake of the gospel. And he does it so that the gospel might have more success. Of course, then note the intense commitment with which he is devoted to this accommodation in verses 24 through 27. Yes, this athletic analogy is given to express how devoted Paul is to becoming all things to all people. Thus, the main point of the analogy is self-control for the sake of reaching a goal. When athletes train, they train with a goal in mind, as we know. Their eye is on a target to win first prize. Thus, because of this undivided focus on winning, on getting the prize, athletes keep a rigorous diet and a training program to win. That is, they avoid the hamburgers that they love. Instead of drinking soda, they drink those nasty shakes that will make you feel better. They crawl out of bed in the morning, even when they're dying for more sleep. The point is self-control presently out of commitment 
to a future goal. Well, so also Paul has a goal, but his goal is much greater than the trophies and medals of athletic context, which are perishable, for his is imperishable. Thus, with his eye on the prize, Paul devotes himself disciplining his body, here meaning his whole daily life, and he enslaves it into the service of the gospel. That is, when he is among Jews and he's dying to eat pork, he doesn't eat it. He denies these things so that he will not cause offense in matters of indifference. Indeed, at the end of this section, note what he says. He says, give no offense to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God, just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved. Chapter 10, verses 32 and 33. Thus, we should ask ourselves, do you use your Christian liberty in this fashion? Are you devoted with athletic intensity to being all things for all people for the sake of the gospel? If Olympians train intensely and sacrifice for a gold medal which will pass away and be forgotten, then should we not even more so in training for the gospel ministry be equally devoted, if not more so? But we do live in a comfortable and spoiled age, do we not? We want everything custom-made for us with the least amount of exertion. I could never take a call in a humid place or out in the country or in the south or up north. I need this much money in a pastoral call. I need the right demographic. It has to fit me. And if not, I won't take it. I'm not going to give up my Christian liberty for this person. They're the weak one. They're the one with the problem. Why should I give it up? But if the Lord calls you to serve in his church, you serve at his bidding and not your own. You should go where the master tells you. Indeed, as his servant, he sets a goal before you to proclaim the gospel so that all the more might be saved. And hence, we need to discipline our lives and use your freedom for the sake of the gospel, not to cause any unnecessary offense. After all, isn't denying yourself and taking up your cross part of the heart of the Christian life? But that sure doesn't fit in with our modern age, does it? Truly, how we, with our tendencies toward laziness, and to flaunt our liberty, need to hear Paul's exhortation. We need to follow his example. And yet, if Paul's example seems a bit too much here, if it scares us on how much we fall short, as it should, then we need to remember that Paul ultimately is not speaking about himself here. As he says at the end of this section in 11.1, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. 
Yes, Paul speaks here first and foremost of Christ. Thus, he speaks primarily of what was done for us and not what we should do. Indeed, though Paul's love and devotion for others, for the sake of the gospel, is overwhelmingly impressive here, he didn't do this perfectly, and we never will. But he does do it to image Christ. For truly, Christ is the one who became all things for all people in order to save them. He possessed the very freedom of the Almighty, himself being God. He dwelt in that blessed realm of heaven. But all this freedom he did not covet, but he willingly took on human flesh. He became like you in every way, yet without sin. He was tempted like you. He was hungry. He was tired, he lived among stupid people, and he had a lot of enemies. But he became all things so that you might be saved. Jesus Christ, who had no sin, even became sin for us. Yes, out of love for you, Christ crawled up on that splintered cross to bear your sin. He beat his body. He denied himself those rights he had. He did not call for that host of angels when the mob came to get him. He didn't drink the drugged wine to ease the pain. Jesus was spat upon by the same sinful nature that dwells in you. He was mocked and convicted by an unjust court. And yet he remained silent. He poured himself out even though we were yet his enemies. He was God forsaken for you. And Christ did this because a prize was set before him. Indeed, having his eye fixed upon the joy of having you as his own people... Christ endured the cross. He despised his shame and its torment. Yes, this is that higher knowledge which Paul mentioned in 8.1. It's the very love of God. And Christ did it for you. He did not exercise his liberty so that you might become the righteousness of God in him through faith. Yes, Paul here speaks about Christ and what he did for your salvation. And realizing this is the grace that empowers you to run the race with endurance. You can love because God first loved. You can endure because Christ endured for you purchasing for you an imperishable crown that surpasses all the struggles of this present age. Indeed, it itself is a gift. Thus may we run the race with endurance. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, as you remind us of how we should live and walk before you, 
We thank you that you always root us back in our Savior Christ. We pray that we would consider Jesus, our great high priest, that we might consider all the glorious things that he did for us as he became all things so that we might be saved, as he himself without sin endured all the temptations and even became sin for us on that cursed tree so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Thus, Lord, knowing that we are free, may we walk according to the gospel, being willing to give up our freedom, to enslave ourselves to all, so that the gospel might have more success, so that the gospel might be written and imprinted upon our very lives and ministries. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Copyright 2009, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way, and you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this broadcast on our website is preferred.